one of the great opportunities cultivating chitta, entering the chitta domain, straightening, giving the chitta a firm center, and looking into it, breathing through it, holding it steadily with mindfulness, so it comes out of its shakiness. Uh, is the possibility of the chitta beginning to present its treasures and uh, what are called the four treasures, one of the treasures of a trained chitta, are the qualities of kindness, um, compassion, uh, appreciative gladness and equanimity. And these are called the wealth of a samana, of a gone forth person who has no uh, money, material wealth. This is their wealth. Um, of course, this is not <laughs> something that's only available for samanas, but anyone who cultivates this can be their treasury, their wealth. Mm. And it's wealth in the real real sense of the term, means you, makes you feel good, makes you feel rich and abundant. Mm. And it naturally transforms your, your relationship um, with the world, which is exactly the way it should be. And it's rather than take your cues from the random and sometimes confused behaviors you see in the world around you and then operate through that or keep trying to deal with that or rebuff it or adjust it or get over it. (laughs) You withdraw from it and go back to your core values, cultivation, and you generate this quality and that's what you send out. And you send it out like a kind of a a force field, you could say, (laughs) or or like an immune system, whereby well, the blaming and the uh, uh, negativity of that you can experience in the world, hostility in, in the world doesn't actually get into you and, and saturate you and get you running or panicked or frightened. Mm-hmm. So this is both beneficial in terms it does act as a, as a protective meditation and it also acts as a just a sheer enjoyment. Because this enjoyment, the heart feels happy, good when it's experiencing these, and it also becomes stronger. Heart energy becomes stronger. This is what we're best at, really. <laughs> you know, we're gifted with this capacity. We may not be that good at, you know, physics or running or you know, whatever these other things that people participate in. But we can also be pretty good at generating these qualities as a natural human capacity. And you can see how important it is uh, to generate this in the world. By and large, human beings have cultivated a lot of skills in other domains, in the rational sciences and in technology and in, uh, you know, but mostly, mostly in exploiting the world, exploiting the earth, we're pretty good at <laughs> in various ways. Uh, and power, we're quite good at maintaining power over other creatures and even over other humans. Uh, so we develop that a lot, and you see the results of that. So developing this quality goes against that. Yeah.
because when you have a heart that's rich and full, you don't need very much. You know, you're feeling pretty good yourself. You don't need much. You don't need so much entertainment. You don't need so much resources. You don't even need people to be applauding you. <laughs> you know, it seems that some people, people in the public eye, just seem to need adoration. But if you have this, you don't need it. You know, it's, you're fine. You can live a modest life. You don't have to compete to be better than anybody which is a very strong instinct. If this isn't rich, we're in this human territory. So naturally there's a sense of referencing to others and fellow humans. What's your referencing? Is it comparative? You know, she's better than me, he's better than me, he's got more of this, she's got less of that, you know, he's a nicer person than I am. She's a great meditator, he can sit longer. Do these kind of things creep in? Comparative? How useful is that? Mm-hmm. If we sense other people have got skills and talents, wouldn't it be great if we could enjoy it? You know, she's got these fantastic talents I don't have, but I can benefit from it because it makes me feel glad. <laughs> As Mudita. I don't have those skills, but she does. Oh, wonderful. Good for her. And you get the sense this is the richness of Mudita. And if you haven't got it together, you can be glad that somebody else does. <laughs> and then you benefit. <laughs> yeah, right. And so these are qualities to contemplate when you, when you acknowledge other people's presence. Mm. And uh, you recognize the most difficult things is cultivating this sort of in yourself where you're feeling happy, appreciative, warm towards yourself when you, you you know, why should that be the case? Naturally, we meet um, perceptions and impressions and energies that we don't feel so good about, we disapprove of in our bodies and minds, particularly in our minds. The sluggish mental states, um, irritated mental states, um, negative mental states, feeling guilty, remembering things we've done wrong. Yeah. And so this can come up and then one can feel very uh, negative about that towards oneself. And uh, we also can be comparing what we should be. This can be going on as a kind of background, underpinning sense of what we should be. We could be better. We have been better. Why aren't we better now? Why are we declining? Yeah. Um, this is the nature of conditions, isn't it? This way and that way. Um, but what occurs is that we take these conditions, we don't decide to take them personally, it's the reflex, is to make a person out of them. You can say, yes, I did do that in the past, I was like that in the past, I did that 
a terrible habit I've had for 15 years. That's definitely, you know, I can't deny that. Uh, therefore I am this. No, not quite. You say there's a habit there. There's a sankara, an emotional habit, you know, a psychological program that's there. Say I'm a needy person or a you know, a craving kind of person or a worrying person. I know I shouldn't be a worrier, but I am a worrier. Mm. Feeling inadequate, fearful, intimidated. Yeah. These are habits, sankaras. And so yeah, when I feel that, then that becomes who I am. And I have a sense of, you know, I'm a needy person, why can't I get it together? And so on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then these habits really are they're an encouragement to cultivate goodwill because if we cultivate goodwill some of these habits will drop away <laughs> you realise all these programs these habits these you know instinctive psychological drives that you experience are there based upon certain conditions. You don't decide to have them. You know, your habitual um, worrying or nature or that that habit or depressive or anxiety-ridden nature is there not because of you, but because conditions establish that. And if you really review it, What is the root condition that establishes many of these things? Sense of insecurity and the need for goodwill, the need for warmth, the need to be loved, you could say. But unfortunately, (laughs) a lot of our social conditioning is love is a a prize that you win for good behaviour. Because then if you behave well or you look well, or you do the right thing, then you get some bit of loving kindness. If you don't, it gets taken away from you. You get scowled at, disapproved of. You get the opposite. You get withdrawal of empathy. You might actually get, you know, verbally abused. (laughs) Or you might just be sent off, you know, exiled for an hour or two or a day or two out of the group. You're not good enough. So your errors will be met not with kindness and compassion, but with some form of withdrawal of love, withdrawal of inclusivity, right? Withdrawal of feeling essentially part of a living group, withdrawal of warmth. That will be withdrawn from you because you did wrong. If you do really good, then we'll give you some of this warm stuff. This warm stuff is human food. This is food for the heart. And everybody knows it. So if I take it away from you, you'll be so hungry that you'll do anything to get get me to approve of you. So I'll give you a dollop of this love now because you did the right thing. (laughs) And if you do the wrong thing, I'll take it away from you. So this is kind of like you know, social training, isn't it? So that gets so established that even when nobody else is doing it, you do it. 
to yourself. You say, I did bad, so let's pull the, take the love away. <laughs> and so you do it to yourself. Right? There was a race and I came third rather than first, therefore no love for you. Love for number one, but not for number three. You know, I'm putting it very crudely, but something like that. And so we can always look around and see, well, in this lineup, looks like I'm number seven. <laughs> or maybe even less. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I'll try harder to be good enough. So I get into this sense of performance to make myself good enough, strong enough, wise enough, bright enough, clear enough, happy enough, whatever it is, to get some of that good juice. So you get into these performance drives. And it's a reflex. It's a reflex. It's reflexive. It's hardly a choice anymore. It's, a, it's an instinct. Yeah. So one is always driving oneself forward in order to make sure that you're in reach of that warmth. Whatever it is, don't, 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 you know, don't take your foot off the pedal because you could fall way behind and get left out. And again, this is not a rational process, it's an instinct. And you may not even recognize it until, you know, until you find yourself. You know, somebody says, Oh yeah, I had a great day with Sam and Julie and Nia and Fred. I was had a great time. And you realise, George, who was there too, he didn't get mentioned. And George thinks, God, obviously I didn't count at all. And it reminds him of being excluded, of being not good enough. And George feels depressed, unhappy. And all that happened was just somebody forgot a name. They forgot the name, that's all. I mean, it can happen. Right? But when that pathology is present, a simple thing like a slip of the tongue, a human error that we can, any of us can make, can be received as, I don't count, I'm excluded, I'm not good enough, and the person feels the odd one out, depressed, Basically, they're excluded. The love is withdrawn. In a way, we, we shut down. We shut it off. Something else shuts it off. We go into that habit. It becomes ingrained. And the heart contracts. And the heart contracts. You recognise the person, the contracted heart. The contracted heart person feels inadequate, feels guilty, feels embarrassed, feels ashamed, feels they don't belong here. Yeah, not really good enough, kind of small. And you, think, you look at that, you feel that, and you think it's pathetic. Um, pull yourself together. Yeah. Rather than, oh, that's, look, that feels bad. What's the response needed here? Oish, that's just something warming is needed. Rather than pull yourself together. <laughs> Try harder. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I mean? How the, the this this assumption that love is a reward 
rather than a natural medium in which human beings operate. A natural medium which people, human, human heart cannot operate properly without this. It's not a luxury. Without this, we are desperate, we are driving ourselves, and we are beating ourselves up. Because we can always, the thinking mind can always conceive of I could be better, therefore if I could be better, I'm not good enough, therefore switch off the love. Instead in comes the inner critic. Rather than, well that particular behaviour, there's room for improvement there, what's needed, well let's give it a lot of warm heartedness and encouragement, you know, and see how it grows. And maybe it will be whatever it is. And these are called measureless. It's like saying to somebody, well, we'll give you food and water and you may grow to be five and a half feet tall. And maybe that's that's it for you. Or you may grow to be six feet tall. Or, But you'll just grow as much as is, you know, as is appropriate. <laughs> and it's not better. So it's really important to find you know, your measure in terms of your Dhamma practice, your range, what what your actual capacities are for an authentic, warm, grounded place with stability in it, rather than aiming for something that's beyond your range. So you're continually putting yourself down for not coming up to a standard that was not available for you. Maybe if you keep practicing in five years' time, that will be available for you. Who knows? But these are all conditions, yeah? Say conditions such as strength and vigor, clarity, and so these are conditions. And they will grow if they're supported. And they're never supported by ill will. It doesn't support anything. It corrodes everything. The heart contracts it can't function. It's not getting fed. It's not getting encouraged. It's not getting lifted. It's not getting healed. So its wounds, its bruises, and its limp places are being blamed and criticised rather than healed. How crazy is that? You know, you see see somebody who's lame, so you walk up to them and kick them. <laughs> You see somebody who's got a broken arm, so you walk up to them and give them a punch. That's a good idea. <laughs> you look at it like that, and yet we can have all kinds of, you know, slightly damaged or dysfunctional pieces in our in our hearts and minds, and we go into feeling depressed, inadequate, rather than cultivating or allowing the heart to extend its goodwill. Healing. So these are not rewards. And as it says in the Metta Sutta, you know, it's for weak or strong. So it's not we can have you know those who are strong, we can feel a sense of warmth towards them. 
those are weak, short, small, medium, you know, whatever, why switch it off? Why withdraw it? Because when you switch it off, you're switching off a source of fruition in yourself, in your own heart. Now, I must admit, you know, some public figures do not arouse a great deal of affection in me when I, you know, some the political arena. I can't so immediately smitten with gladness to see them and a sense of appreciation and respect. But I don't see why I should have to get angry and upset about it and mess my mind up with nasty feelings. So you think, mostly, you look at it and you think, hmm, equanimity. This is a person who's heir to his karma, obviously confused, obviously narcissistic, got some strange tendencies, power maniac, whatever. Wow, that's going to be a heavy trip to handle. (laughs) He's got to live with that. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to support him or vote for him, but I'm not going to let myself feel this sense of uh, hatred and resentment doesn't do me any good, doesn't affect him, doesn't change anything. Why be like that? Of course, this is incredibly rational, isn't it? <laughs> and the heart isn't rational. But just notice, you know, that one of the most important signs that we have is the sign of another person. When I say a sign, that means the, the immediate response you get when you see or hear a uh, even another person's voice, you know, the immediate response you get, very significant. And that probably be, mostly the first thing is a sense of uncertainty. You don't know. That's completely appropriate. You don't know. You don't know what this other person is about. So your first response is find your own ground. You're stable. Everything about the cultivation of Dharma, particularly the cultivation of or development of goodwill, the opening of the heart, depends upon having an inner stability. So the heart's not tagging on to what's out there, it's actually connecting to its inner stability. This is what one can know. That's there. And what other people are right now, you don't know. But you do know this. And you know that if you stay with this, your heart's going to feel secure. And when it's secure, it will tend to open. It will tend to open and qualities of sensitivity will arise by themselves. Empathy. So then, the other person. And maybe, you know, depending on social family conditions, you might feel, oh, you know, it's very common, isn't it? Power figures. You know, oh, I'm lesser than him. Most power figures tend to be male. Okay, so I feel either I've got to prove I'm good enough with him or not bow down to him. He's a big guy, I want to make sure I understand my own ground, not to take anything from him. Or maybe I'll feel I'd better be a little more polite and respectful because he's something. Just wait. Why don't you just say, generate a quality of goodwill instead? <laughs> you know, like, like, 
well, I don't know, but all that stuff doesn't do me any good, so I just maintain goodwill towards myself at least. Yeah. And then see where that can go. And some people perhaps are not available for goodwill. They can't receive it. That's their problem. But you don't have to shut yourself down. And so you're kind of keeping that as your as your relational norm. Okay, with goodwill, what does this mean? Non-fear, non-aversion, non comparison. Comparison is a very important feature. That's immediate measuring who's better, who's worse, who's first, who's second, you know, is comparing. What if we say measureless, no comparing, no comparing? Just let's abide in the quality of good and see what kind of behavior reactions and responses can occur based upon that. So we keep that going because of course people change, don't they? And mostly if we maintain this quality of goodwill, those beings whose hearts are more sensitive, they'll start to experience that comfort and they'll respond with goodwill. The heart is not stupid, the heart's quite intelligent. Cultivating this or sensing this or doing the turning, shifting when we encounter the sign of the other person, what the other person reminds us of. And human be- human societies are often structured in terms of power, kings, presidents. You know, those higher, those who have power. So we're very much on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. A sign of power, who has authority. I will be smaller than them. Often they're not particularly, they're not necessarily bright people. (laughs) But (laughs) why make yourself small, you know? Again, it's not a rational decision, but power is a sign. So you want to recognize that sign and just relax, keep your stability. Another important sign is, um, another important quality that we, we is, is idealism. There are ideals and we can get ideals of perfection. So whenever we see things in terms of you know, the better, the more perfect, that also creates a shadow of not as good as the ideal. We carry this ideal, and some people, you know, we can idealize them. We can idealize them. And And that seems valid. You know, he is a very wise, kind person. And that seems a totally valid statement. He seems to, but watch what you, what's happening you know, in terms of um, creating somebody that then you feel lesser than, or you call that counteraction to the ideal 
brings about the unideal, lesser than, therefore doesn't get the love because they're not as good at it. So the love again as a reward is withdrawn. Now if we understand love is not a reward, it's a natural human territory we live in, there are beings who manifest qualities that we are deeply appreciative of. Great, wonderful. I can experience then gladness and gratitude, maybe. And even, you know, see them as models that maybe I could learn a few things from. But it doesn't mean I put myself down. I use them to lift me. You see what I mean? Now, this is very kind of this is something I'm quite conscious of because when you live in a monastery, you have certain features to it. You have a hierarchy, right? You have a hierarchy. Senior is somehow better. <laughs> so there's first time to create ill will towards yourself. <laughs> then you have high moral standards. Not just moral, but standards of etiquette. The person who doesn't eat very much is much better than the person who eats a lot. They're a real renunciant. They're, they have very few demands. The person who lives extremely frugally, that's much better than the person who doesn't live frugally. So what's going to happen? The person who doesn't live frugally is going to get the love taken away from them. <laughs> and they will do it to themselves. You know, oh, I don't live as frugally as him, therefore I withdraw love for myself. Right? I'm only number 15 in the line, therefore I withdraw love for myself. Right? And then I made a mistake, you know, I made some minor transgression, therefore withdraw the love again, have a bit of punishment going on. So we have power, we have ideals, of course, we've got Buddha sitting above us, looking down on us all day long. <laughs> And you can turn Buddha into a real disapproval figure, like, you know, there he is, he's always higher than me, he's always totally perfect, he's completely serene, he's got everything sorted out, <laughs> flawless, clear, brilliant, wise, compassionate. Compared with him, I'm just dust. <laughs> so you can get yourself... And not only the Buddha, then you've got, you know, the Arahants, and you've got great masters, Ajahn Chah, and so forth. So you can end up in a complete put-down, because <laughs> you're not as good as them. And then somebody says, I listen to this fantastic talk. Ajahn Sumedha gets brilliant teaching. God, I'm not as good as him. Uh, nobody listens to my stuff. 15,000 people live to Ajahn Sumedha talk. Six listen to Ajahn Sujito. <laughs> You failed. <laughs> and of course, it could be the other way around, you never know. So then, withdraw the love. <laughs> Nobody else is withdrawing it. I withdraw it. <laughs> I feel inadequate, feeble, fa failure. I'll never be as good as that. I'm useless, waste of time. So you can be in this system in the eye <laughs> where it's a constant put down. And in that, you, you realise it's happening, you keep, I've got to be better. I'm going to be 
wiser, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be more diligent, I'm going to be eat less, sleep less, talk less, whatever it is, I'll do less of it. So I'll say, I'll be, I'll get the love then. (laughs) And you don't, you just get this inner critic in your mind. You can't do it because the program of the inner critic doesn't have love in its agenda. It doesn't know how to do it. It only knows comparing and contrasting and blaming and punishing and criticizing. It doesn't have love in its skill set. Yeah. And yet we can have this inner critic, uh, you know, and certainly monastic life, it's plenty of room for that one to come in. Some people just disrobe because they can't, they can't stand it anymore. You know, we had a very nice monk. He was 30 reigns. He'd been a monk for 30 years, lived under Ajahn Mahabur, who everyone thought was an Arahant. Ajahn Mahabur, whoa, you know, super tough. Sit all night, 12 hours solid, no moving, deal with pain, incredible, tight, strict, wonderful, I think, amazing teacher. And this fellow lived with him, so he can never get up to that standard. Couldn't make it. So he thought, you know, I'm a fake, really, you know. These lay people are coming around, offering me, offering me alms food, but I'm not worthy of it. I'm not as good as, you know. In fact, I spent 30 years wasting people's time living as a parasite on society. But lay people didn't think that. They thought he's a pleasant, he doesn't have to be an arahant. He's just a nice monk who lives modestly, he's kindly, a few good things. He don't have to be an arahant. <laughs> enlightened being, just be a decent person, that's good enough. And uh, they couldn't stand it. So they thought, I'd just sooner just get out of this, I don't have to keep comparing myself. Yeah. Rather, why couldn't you see this system instead as a kind of a support? Like, oh, rather than people looking down upon me, there are people who perhaps are wiser than me who'd love to help me. Not who would therefore disapprove of me, but actually love, enjoy helping me, encouraging me, like a parent would to a child. Yeah. You know, there was a Buddha who was blazing Arahant, and what he's saying is, you're, on my, you're in my team, you're, in, you're one of mine, come along, let's go together, you know, I'll help you out. You're, you're included in my team, rather than you're excluded for not being good enough. How do you get to belong to the Buddha's team? Well, you take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, keep the five precepts. Okay, you're in. <laughs> you're part of the team. <laughs> you're qualified. <laughs> and if you break a precept, oh well, something must have gone wrong. Let's look at that. Did you see that? Okay, oh, I saw that. Right, okay. Did you see it? Yeah. Did you understand it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so now you know better. Wonderful. The Buddha says it's a great blessing, a great benefit to have transgressed and understood it. We consider this great progress. We consider it great progress to have messed up, (laughs) understood it, and got past it. We consider this great progress. How else are you going to learn except through making mistakes? The love isn't withdrawn. It's there. Yeah. And because of that, the, the warm-heartedness means the chitta says, oh, yes, uh, you know, I, uh, and it, it's, it's lifted. 
to rise out of where it's, it's heedless or ignorant or reckless or confused or sometimes just basically damaged. You know, because well, the other story, of course, for all human beings is living with other human beings, we do get abused and we do get withdrawal of love, of empathy, and people get physically, sexually, psychologically abused. And so that leaves big scars where you feel, you know, what's felt. Fearful, uh, defensive, uh, guilty, uh, inadequate, pathetic. And it's so pathetic you don't deserve. And you get this don't deserve attitude. Which is again the sign of ill will. Who said who said you had to deserve it? Where was that? Where did deserve come in? This is not wages. <laughs> you don't deserve goodwill. Otherwise it's not measureless, is it? It's extremely measured. <laughs> measured dependence on performance. So we've got to get out of this and notice this. And and some of these qualities of ill will are not, they're not apparent. They're not so apparent. But they, you know, you get the flurry of, of, of guilt. Or the flurry of got to do better. Or the flurry of judgment, self-judgment. Yeah. Or the dismissal of sensitivity towards your body and mind. Pull yourself together, shape up kind of thing. Dismissal of sensitivity. We're trying to make your mind into something that runs on straight lines, like a machine. That's another kind of ill will. So we get direct abuse, negative effects from others, or we get the withdrawal of empathy, where you don't count, you're not getting anything. You know, withdrawal of it, that can occur with human beings. Another kind of abuse is, is system abuse. What do I mean by that? I mean that a lot of our social life is run according to systems. In other words, things like, you know, eight hour working day. Right. That's obvious system. Um, yeah. uh, where did that one come from? Created to the sake of commodities and capital and work. Well, you're working day. That's a system. Now that system says, okay, from this time until that time, you switch on at this time, you work until that time you stop. It doesn't take into account the fact that, you know, you may have energy issues, you may have, your mind is fluctuating, your body is, a, is an organic system, it doesn't work in straight lines. It fluctuates, its energies fluctuate. No, fluctuation's not allowed, you've got to be constantly on that level. And it's got to start at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it'll go on until 6 o'clock in the evening, then you can switch it off. That, that's completely... Absurd. <laughs> because 
know, it's like trying to tell a tree you're going to go straight as a ruler. It's organic, it doesn't go straight. And yet we get conditioned into following these straight lines of constant, constant standard, no fluctuations, steady speed, no variations in speed, and if better, higher velocity, better. That's a system, and that abuses us because we're not a machine. And yet increasingly, we're tethered to machines, instruments, devices, gadgets, programs, spreadsheets, protocols that come across on a sheet, abstract, right? They don't notice you, they don't care for you, they're they're not designed for empathy. They don't even see you. It comes across abstract and you are tethered to that. And if you don't come up to scratch, sacked or zero tolerance, (laughs) the rules, once again, withdrawal of love, no support of love, withdrawal of love, the person then is programmed into that. If you do this, you won't get any love, but we won't beat you up. We won't actually abuse you. And at the end of the day, you can go and entertain yourself. And that's what we call love. Love meaning kind of passion, intoxication, attachments. No, that's not love. Love isn't infatuation. Love is not infatuation. That's not love. That's projection. Right? Love is that which, which encompasses the sick, the tired, the happy, the wonderful, the not bad, the mundane, the ordinary. It covers everything with a, let there be no ill will here. No, you're not good enough. No resentment, no negative comparisons. No nervously looking around to see what other people think of you. Yeah? Free from that. Yeah. No having a tally at the end of the day how good you did. No, no end of that. End of that. Measureless, abundant, exalted. Now, most of us carry some of these negative programs because that's our social conditioning, isn't it? Apart from the fact that jitta is often confused. Therefore it needs this warming effect. Now you notice those occasions when this your personhood arises in your mind. You suddenly are self-conscious. You suddenly have a sense of self-conscious. I know myself. Here I am. Right? Like maybe when you sit down to meditate, you have maybe five seconds, you sit there and you say, ah, oh yeah. And then, oh, here I am. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, meditating. Oh. And immediately it starts. The self-consciousness starts. <laughs> Got to be good. Got to be better. Got to make something happen. Got to get on with it. It starts. And you start pushing, trying to cut. You know? And then that loses calm. You're not calm. You're not centered. 
not stable because you're already reaching for an ideal but you're not there yet and as you lose that stability you start complaining about yourself you're not stable, you're not calm enough yet you're not getting grounded didn't you hear what he said? he said get stable, how do you do that? you're not doing it so complain about yourself withdraw the love (laughs) that's the strategy So then try harder, try harder to get to that state where you'll be okay. Try harder. So in that trying harder, the chitta contracts and tightens up, loses access to something rich and fluid because it's tightening up. Therefore, it doesn't feel good. Therefore, not feeling good. You're not a very loving person, are you? Let's face it. Well, what is well, let's have some more, beat yourself up a bit more. <laughs> That'll do it. Withdraw even more love. <laughs> That's the recipe. <laughs> I don't really like meditation. <laughs> I bet you don't. Or it's like that. <laughs> too damn true. I wouldn't do it. That's Instead, it'd be better to go and walk the dog, you know, where you can be loving and nice to it, and it looks at you with warm brown eyes. It'd be better for you than sitting there beating yourself up, struggling to become something. So, can it be that when those that that persona arises, of you've got to be something, and it's subtle at first, it's, yeah, okay. What's happening? Relate to that sense. You can't necessarily not have it, but you can begin to relate to that. There's that feeling of uncertain, not quite ready, got to make something happen. And just generate. It's okay. You're welcome. Let's rest. Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. Generating for these frightened beings that we become, these nervous beings that we become, these nervous personae that rise up within us, a sense of, oh, this is suffering, compassion. And the more that you do that, the more you're able to turn that, you're going to find the stable center arises. It becomes firmer because the more you behave in that loving way, the more you're coming from a very stable, light place which has no status, doesn't claim anything. It's not high and mighty. It's it generates space, compassion by itself. So meeting our dysfunctionalities with an intention to embrace them, to include them, to soothe them, to listen to them, but with a heart of goodwill. It is a much needed practice. 
So we can cultivate, we can re- try to re- remember some of this, begin to sense, you know, what it's like to experience, even for a moment, fully welcome, to dare to be seen, all of it, all of what you experience. Just imagine if all that could be seen with good heart as this is the conditioned. It's like this now. No ill will. Doesn't need ill will. It needs good will. Then we have a place of, of stability and nourishment that begins to heal some of our reflexes, our critiques, our jealousy, our, you know, all of that. So offer this for your consideration. <laughs> 